Puck comes to the right side, half wall. so there, opens up, he shoots, score! William Carlson tipped it home. 3-0 Golden Knights. Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at lvsportsnetwork.com. Ducks back in. Toronto put it on goal. Save Thompson. He sprawls and gets the rebound too. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here's your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Darren Millard, Chris Chapman, live inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215 home of the got our game ratings coming up but it should be it should be a clean sweep from the old delorean but given the inconsistency out of chris chapman uh the last little while uh i'm i'm gonna hold off on calling it a, a slam dunk uh, we've got the uh, vgk uh one-timers coming up news notes from around the national hockey league and we are going to be joined by a two-time olympian megan bozik uh, is going to stop by from team usa and uh, she joined us on the tv broadcast yesterday she was on mm-hmm. with the maroons this morning she's been all over uh vegas media and she's going to talk to us uh, about uh, what she witnessed it was her first time at the fortress okay it was uh, an opportunity to dive into broadcasting, mm-hmm. which is the first time she's done that, and she was uh, no way. remarkable. Yeah, That's she awesome. was really good. And the other part is the rivalry series between Canada and the United States. So I wanted to get into that because well, we've had some big talks about mm-hmm. uh, Team USA, Team Canada. They played Game 2 last night, and uh, we'll get to see it at the Dollar Loan Center on December 15th. She's played in this series a few times, and uh, she'll be able to relate uh, a little bit about what goes on. And, uh, and then we'll have a whole bunch of fun. Because I'm Canadian, she's American, and Team USA won last night, so she's kind of holding that over me. That's 2-0. and It is 2-0. A one and a shootout, and then one two one last night. Uh, both games uh, in Canada. The play in Seattle on Sunday, and then get it going here on December fifteenth at the Dollar Loan Center. But a big win for the Vegas Golden Knights last night against the Arizona Coyotes, in which it kind of satisfied both sides of the question that I had going in. Mm -hmm. Would you rather win Mm 2-1 and lock it down defensively and be great, or blow it open with a bunch of goals and have that side of it come through, considering they were scoring about half as much at home Mm -hmm. compared to on the road, which goes against all the metrics in, in the National Hockey League. So at the end of the night, we were right in the middle. Great defensive performance. And yeah. on the other side, we got a, a three-goal outburst in the third. Yeah, for me, it was exactly the game I was looking for, exactly the game that I wanted to see the Golden Knights play. They were really, really good defensively, just fantastic effort all the way around. Uh, and then you have kind of the uncomfortable um, tension of being in a game where you don't score, no one scores in the first period, you get a goal in the second period, but it's just a one-goal lead going into the third. And then you you have kind of the ability to make amends were some of the mistakes that were made on Tuesday night against San Jose, and the Golden Knights did a great job there. Yeah, they came out with a one-goal lead, exactly the same situation mm-hmm. as the Sharks. Yeah, Perfect. Uh, fourth line starts again, but instead of giving up momentum and allowing a goal, they slammed it home. And yeah. Will Carrier, one goal shy of Mark Stone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's a great compliment 
Sometimes you could say that, oh, Will Carey's got almost as many goals as Mark Stone. What's happened there? Well, Stone's been great. Sure. Carrier's been exceptional. And he he's now to the point where he scores these these chances. Mm-hmm. Where in the past he's he's got opportunities, a lot of opportunities, using his speed and brute force going to the net, but hasn't been able to finish. He's entered a new realm of his career. Yeah, I, I think that what you're seeing is just kind of more consistency in his game, right? Like we've talked about Will Carrier. Every single game, he's able to bring the puck to the net. Now he's always done that. I, I feel he's saying. always, but, but he hasn't been able to finish. Right, exactly. You you know you're going to get those opportunities. You know you're going to get those looks. But for whatever reason, this season, the puck is finding its way into the back of the net. Whether it's off of the stick of Will Carrier or whether or not you've got Keegan Golasar or Nick Waugh there uh, to kind of bang home a rebound. That line is generating a lot of quality looks, and they're getting goals to fall for them too. You you just want it to continue over the course of eighty two, and that's going to be the big question: How much can this sustain over the course of the season? How much does it have to sustain over the course of the season? That's I mean I think that the the clip they're they're scoring at right now is certainly helping the Golden Knights win hockey games. But very. And I think, historically, very difficult to maintain. It is difficult to maintain. I think that the bigger question, the larger question is, what are you getting out of your third line? Right, like what, What type of production, what kind of production are you going to be getting out of the combination of players that you've got on the third line? Because if See, you're 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 getting off topic, I'm not though. You are. It's the it's the fourth line. How much do you expect them to continue this? Because don't work it into the third line and what they have to do. Well, I mean that's important. If, no, if you're no, not, no. If you're not getting production there, then you're going to need your fourth line to continue to. But to you need production that- from everywhere if you don't get it from the third line. But wh- where where is this fourth line expected to be, or can it be? Is this just a really good stretch that they have took advantage of, or is it an ability that they have become? more of a third line mm. and it adds to the real challenge of beating the Vegas Golden Knights. I'd like to believe that this is what they're going to be, that you're going to get about the same type of production, maybe 80% of this the rest of the way. But I I don't know that I'm willing to go there just yet. I still feel like in terms of a sample size, 18 games is relatively small. I know we're getting into the quarter mark of the season, but like if they're still producing over the next 10 games in, in a similar fashion to what they've done already, then I think that I can see it progressing over the course of the year. But I feel like there's going to be a natural dip. Nick Waugh has four. William Carrier has four. And Keegan Colasar has two. Mm-hmm. There's your fourth line consistently, or energy line, or K-Rock line. That type of production out of that unit, they're they're getting some more minutes, which is great, right. more opportunities. Right. But that type of production, two four goal scores in the first eighteen games, is as unexpected as anything on this team. Yeah, it's it's an eighteen goal pace for Will Carrier. It's an eighteen goal pace for Nick Waugh, and it's about a nine goal pace for Keegan Colasar. Okay, compare that compare that to uh, William Carrier's career stats. Five, yeah, as a rookie, yep. Eight in his third year, mm-hmm. and then went seven, six, and nine. So eighteen smashes sure. yeah, the career does. high. It does. Um, I don't think that it's going to be that. Could I see Will Carrier hitting double digits 
Yes. At I, this point, he should. At, at this he point, better. He and and that's going to be the big question, right? Like, is I don't think Will Carrier is getting close to 18 goals this year. I just don't see it because there's been so much that will tell me we're talking about a 9 to 12 goal guy. Like, that's 12 goals, 13 goals. Like, that's where I see him topping out. Now, when you go to Nick Waugh, mm-hmm. who has more offensive upside right. coming into the season, you would have certainly leaned on, on that take. Nick Waugh's career high is 15. that last year. Where there's part of the support for that mm-hmm. was he played in different parts of the lineup, up with better players for stretches of the season last year, and that's why he broke through with 15. Now he's 18 mm-hmm. in the fourth-line position. Do you see him being able to get above 15 and beat his career high? I think that if there was a player on that line that was going to be able to keep this pace, well, he's more talented Nick, player. On it the would line. be Nick Waugh. Yeah. yeah, like I, I can talk myself into Nick Waugh 18 to 20 goals. I can 100%. Even playing in the role that he's playing on because they're getting a lot of minutes and he plays on the power play. He plays on the penalty kill. Those are extra opportunities for him to find the back of the net. You've got two players off to career starts. Yeah. And I feel like you're hedging. There's no way Will Carrier doesn't break through his career high and hit double digits for the first time. Chapman, you got a bite from last night? Yeah, yeah. I had a chance to talk to Will. Um, I don't think it was carried on television, but William spoke to the media last night, and he was asked about his his goal, and I thought his, his response was really good. They play man-to-man, right? So uh, we kind of knew that. Um, yeah, we had a couple of looks there, Coley, and draw two and go to the net. And so we're trying to, we're trying to do that. And um, it's a big part of our fourth line. I mean, we can score goals now. They can score goals now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They've proven that. And and Kolasar, that's the next step. Kolasar is now where Carrier was the last two years. Wow. Where he, he gets lots of looks. Mm-hmm. Can he start finishing a little bit more of those? And and he's, the last couple of years, has, has had his fair share uh, of opportunities. I would say two is good. Two is where you would have thought Carrier would be. Sure. I, and two is for a goal total is putting Keegan Colasar into career year yeah. numbers. You know what I mean? Like yeah. not from a points perspective. He had a lot of assists last year, 17 assists last year, 24 points. So you, you like to see that, but from a goal scoring perspective for Keegan Colasar, he is on pace at the moment to flirt with double digits. So like I would, I would absolutely take all three guys hitting double digits. 100%. Kid. That that creates another great question okay. for the end of the year. Okay. You have 12 forwards. Mm-hmm. Of the 12 forwards that you see on a regular appearance. So okay. it, it, we'll we'll put Paul Cotter in there. Uh we'll put uh, Brett Howden, uh, Phil Kessel. We'll we'll call them the third line. All right? Okay. For for right now, for okay. argument's yeah. sake. Yeah. Of the 12 players, if you're giving the fourth line the open door to score double digits, how many of your 12 hit double digits? If the fourth um, line's all scoring double digits, it should be 12 for 12. It should be. But that's That's, a fourth line that's going way beyond expectations coming into the year. Like career accomplishments. But 
I don't know whether they get there. Right. I, I think Cotter hits double digits. I think Phil hits double digits. Mm-hmm. Howden's the question mark right yeah, now. You go 11 for 12. Except Howden has the ability to go on these runs. Which we saw last year on that New York road trip, yeah. where he just yeah. blitzed that, and, the competition. But that run came playing alongside Will Carrier and Keegan Colesar. Like I still contend that the the best stretch of hockey Brett Howden has played with the Vegas Golden Knights has been in a fourth line role with those two wingers. So I just don't know. Like it's not going right now for Brett Howden. It's not clicking. They're not finding the back of the net. And I do think that if you're going to Make any adjustment whatsoever. And we've talked about adjustments, and I know you and I have had this conversation. Depending on whether or not Nick was available on Saturday or when he's available again for the Golden Knights, he did leave the game in the third period last night. Um, I want to see a switch with Brett Howden and Nick Waugh. I just want to see those two swap places. Well, the update today from Bruce was he's not going to go on the road. Uh, Nick Waugh's not going to go on the road. Yeah. So that's... Uh, that's the latest on that, or didn't think he was going to go on the road trip, but don't think he made the uh, the flight. So you, they're going to have to do some kind of change there. Sure. Uh, yeah. there, there's there's a couple of options there. You put uh, Howden right in. Mm-hmm. Sorry, um, Amadio right in. Yep. Or and and you, or you could put Amadio into the third line, drop mm-hmm. Howden down to to the uh, K Rock line. Yeah. Which wouldn't be K Rock. Uh, or or you could take Jake Lasician. And Michael Amadio and put them both in. Sure. And Howden comes out. There's a lot of opportunity for tweaking mm-hmm. with that fourth line with one player of, of Nick Waugh's strength and production coming out. So the way that I would like to approach it is I would put Brett Howden with Carrier and Colasar. Mm-hmm. I just want to get a little bit of a sample of so what that looks like. So who do you put with like. Kessel and Cotter? I probably Amadio. I think from from just kind of a, a, a experience in the lineup situation, I think Mike Amadio goes. Coaches in, plays love their down GPs, the their yeah. games played. Yeah, and and I think in this spot against Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl against the the Edmonton Oilers, like you're, you're probably going to want to default to as much experience as possible. Uh, but at the same time, like. I, if Jake Lecision were to get a, a look, I wouldn't be upset about that. I wouldn't be mad about it because I think that he's a very responsible player that can give you the minutes Bruce Cassidy is looking for. We'll hear more from Bruce Cassidy in hour number two. Uh, he will address the Nick Waugh situation. There's a, a, just a sensational matchup coming up tomorrow night. One of the best of the season. <laughs> and and it, even though these players have been around for a while, it's really the start of their rivalry, mm-hmm. and that is the number one versus number two in their draft. Connor McDavid against Jack Eichel. They've never been in a position where they've both been healthy, they've both been hot, mm-hmm. and they've both had good teams. Yeah. They've both been healthy at times. Mm-hmm. They've both been going good, but they've never had, when they've met, both had good teams. This is the matchup that when when they were both drafted, one versus two, they're mm-hmm. always compared. Yeah, this is the start of it. Like five years into their careers. Yeah, it, and it's going to be awesome. And uh, Bruce has has a great comment about Jack versus Connor, how he's going to deploy Jack, mm-hmm. uh, what he's looking forward to with these two players, 
and then steps back as a hockey fan. Sure. Uh, and talks about it. So that's uh, that's coming up in in hour number two. As as far as the the tweaking of the of of the top six, I kind of wonder if less change is better, mm-hmm. just because it's been so so good, or is more change better because you're already having to take that one big spot out of the line that's been going, and you really take an op- this opportunity because it's it's open to you. To try and get the third line jump started. Yeah, to me, I feel like you take this opportunity to see if Brett Howden can fit and work in your fourth line because I think the the uptick in that higher end skill with Nick Waugh when he's available and healthy going into the third line could be something that helps you lo- down the road. So I I look at it and say, if I'm making the decision, I move Brett Howden down and I put Mike Amadio into the third line spot center with Paul Cotter and Phil Kessel. Then my fourth line is Will Carrier with Brett Howden and Keegan Colasar. And if that's something that can work, if that's something that can continue to give you the exact same thing or close to what you're getting right now out of your fourth line, then it allows you the opportunity to go with a different look when Nick Waugh is available and healthy and ready to go. So I think the third line's taking too much heat. And I think Brett Howden's taking way too much heat. It's not, it's not that I don't think he's playing well. It's not that I don't think he's a good hockey player he's just not finishing and therefore right. but i think he's taking too much heat for that because there's other players who are overachieving and in by comparison it looks like he's not playing as well or finishing and he, and he hasn't finished right so i want to know what would make everybody happy and, I'm, and that's an open comment to fans to media all the way along what makes it so you wouldn't focus on one particular player? Because well, Howden has played good hockey and and defensive hockey, and he's been he's been good on that side of it. The goals haven't been there, sure, but everybody else is playing great, and their line has had stretches here, especially this week, has has started to finish more. Yeah, to me, it's again when you go back to to and you look at where the finishing happened and how the finishing happened. It happened with Nick Waugh. It's less to do with Brett Howden and more to do with I want Nick Waugh playing with Phil Kessel and Paul Cotter. I think that line, from a skill perspective, has more finishing power, more finishing ability, and we might be talking about Nick Waugh as over twenty goals instead of hitting 20 goals. Like, I think that you can maximize Nick Waugh in that spot as a third-line center, and I think you can get Brett Howden going with a little bit more direct game that you're going to get out of carry. So what do you, and, what and would make up. you happy with Howden? I think he just needs to go to the front of the net no, and what, clean up the number, garbage. Numbers. Numbers? I, I what, would what, like him to be around 8 to 10 goals. But right now, what, what makes you happy with Howden? What makes I I like that he's able to generate chances. I like that he finds himself in good positions. But numbers in the wise, zone. what everybody looks at one and says he's got to produce more. What would be acceptable right now from for, a numbers for Brett perspective? Yeah. Based on the chances that he's had, at least three or four goals. So we're no two, no two more than two more. That's a minuscule difference. And I'm using you as an example as as my argument that I think he's taken too much heat. For this stage of the season, I don't feel when, like and when everything I, I, else is going so good for the hockey team, I I don't necessarily agree with that because I I do think that there is an onus on finding the back of the net. I do think that if you're going to play in those spots in those situations, 
you're going to have to to produce. And the fact of the matter is, you look at Phil Kessel scoring goals, you look at Paul Cotter scoring goals. Who was on the ice with him when it happened? But Cotter's it, it got was Cotter's got two. Kessel's got Cotter's three. played half the games that yeah. Brett Howden's played. He's got one more goal. I'm not, and I'm not sitting here saying that Brett Howden hasn't been effective. I think he can be better, and I think that he can be utilized better if he's playing with Carrier and Colasar because the puck is always going to the front of the net. He's a big enough body that I think he can get there and find a way to put home some rebounds, gain some confidence, and get himself back on track from a, from a production standpoint. The conversation, though, was what would make people happy? Mm. Three goals. Let's settle on three. For Howden. That's two bounces. That that is two bounces. And it's it's almost like we get fixated on we have to talk about something that's not right. And I think it's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Would you like more? We all want more. Sure. I want a bigger scoop of ice cream. We all want more and everything. Although I, the ice cream the other day was my, pretty good. My my entire angle is I think Brett Howden can be better. With Carrier and Colasar. I think it's the best he's looked as a Golden Knight player. I think you're greedy. Two. I can be greedy all I want to. Mm. I, I, just, I, I Call me crazy. I would love it if all 12 forwards for the Vegas Golden Knights are as maximized as possible. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, but it's not realistic. We're going to take a break. Uh, Megan Bozak is going to join us. We'll see what she thinks about this. And we'll also get into the defensive side of the game and uh, what she watches. She's a defenseman at the Olympic level. And uh, what was it like being on TV for the first time at the Fortress? Imagine making your television debut at the Fortress. That's got to be distracting. Uh, Megan Bozak's with us uh, coming up on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. VGK on the road for a couple of games, taking on Edmonton and then Vancouver. Final visits or appearances against Western Conference teams or Pacific Division clubs. Haven't seen the the whole division, but they'll get to size up Edmonton and Vancouver the next couple of games. Uh, coming off a big win last night against the Arizona Coyotes, salvaging the homestand with a victory. And there on hand was uh, Team USA uh, defenseman, uh, two-time Olympian. Megan Bozak was on the television side. Well, actually, I can't even say you were on the television side, Megan, because you've been everywhere. You've been on radio. <laughs> you've been on TV. You've done, uh, I think, a couple of podcasts. You were here in the summer. You're like uh, Miss Las Vegas right now. Yeah, I honestly feel like that. I even went to the gift shop and bought myself a nice new coat. So maybe I'll maybe I'll wear it on air tomorrow. We'll see. <laughs> is hey, <laughs> is it colder than you thought it was going to be? Because it's cool for Vegas right now, but you live in Canada and you're from uh, the Upper United States. Uh, do you? Is it colder than you thought it was going to be? Yes, okay. I do think it's a bit chillier than I anticipated, but. The way others are reacting to it, I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> we were walking out of the rink last night. People think it's cold. It's not cold. It's not cold. <laughs> not cold. Uh, Megan's was awesome last night. What do you think of um, doing TV for the first time? I loved it. Um, like I've told numerous people, it's easy to feel comfortable working between uh, working alongside you and yourself and Darren Elliott. So you guys make it easy to call that work for the day, but I loved it. I loved looking at the game from a different perspective and really talking hockey between the intermissions, so it was really fun. What was one thing that 
maybe you didn't expect or surprise you or you were taken aback by uh, an experience uh, about the whole whole day whole night it goes by much quicker than you than yes. you think you prepare so long for it um at least i was i was trying to prepare for it but it just goes by so quick that you have so many thoughts that you really need to summarize within a few sentences where you expect to have a little bit more time you did violate one rule, and uh, I hate Uh-oh. to do this on the air, but uh, but I'm going to point it out <laughs> to uh, Megan Bozak, who's no, uh, part of the AT&T uh, Sports Broadcast last night, uh, mocking the, the, the host because his nation lost a hockey game. No, that's perfectly fine. Over and over and over. Is 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 too much. Uh, we're talking about the rivalry series, Team USA, <laughs> with a big win last night, two uh, one, over Team Canada. And Megan was great about uh, making sure that I knew about the final score. Yeah, I, you know, I, all I do is is mock you for losing bets about uh, Team Canada to me. So it's it's fantastic. So, Megan, I, question for me is, you know, you played some some obviously really high level hockey. Olympic, you're an Olympian. Uh, were you more nervous for doing? The, the television broadcast last night than you were for playing games, or how did that c- kind of compare? I had emotions before yesterday's game that I've never had before, but just a different nervous. I'm questioning if I'm prepared, what else do I need to know? But having conversations uh, with both of the Darrens, I think just made me feel much more settled in. Uh, game is different, but in the same aspect, once I got through the first 90 seconds, um, I felt right at home. So it's um, a weird emotion that I was feeling yesterday, but now I, I absolutely loved it. It's the first time I've ever done television. I've broken in a lot of analysts over the years because I'm old. Uh, first time I've ever had somebody <laughs> with me with their first time doing television where I didn't give them any advice at all. Because Megan and I had a conversation in the morning. It was like two minute conversation. I'm like, oh, she's ready. Like, cause she's just comfortable. Mm. She's done, uh, she she can uh, banter with you, and she knows the game. And I'm like, I'm staying out of her way for sure. And uh, <laughs> and it worked out perfect because I you couldn't tell at all that there was any nerves. Uh, and that's that's really impressive, Megan. Thank you again. Like I like I said, you guys make it really easy, and um, it was just really fun. You get to talk hockey from from a different angle and looking at comparisons to obviously what I've seen in the women's game and then watching some of the best men's players in the world. Um, there's a lot of similarities there. So it's, it's really fun to see from a different lens. What did you see from Vegas last night that impressed you? I think just the structure that they got back to. I think we, we talked about stressing that a two game losing streak is not a streak and it cannot be a streak. <laughs> it's a, a couple losses that is, is quite all right in the middle of November, but uh, getting back to really what they can focus on with their speed in the neutral zone, those simple passes, the low to high plays, that will make them successful getting those pucks on the net. When you when you kind of take in that game from the Golden Knights and you see how structured they are, like how good do you believe this team can be this year? I think it'll be a special season. And... You can see that with a few hiccups, um, a few lapses in plays, and especially playing a hot goaltender last night. Uh, they still found a way to put the puck in the net. With You look at Stone's goal. He basked it out of the air. That takes a special kind of person to do that in, in front of the net with 
a close game like that. So I think Vegas should be really excited and looking forward to the next few months of some great hockey and watching their team succeed here. Megan Bozak's with us. Uh, she is a two-time U.S. Olympian and uh, one of the great uh, players on the USA Hockey uh, Women's Hockey Program. Uh, she's been part of the Rivalry Series. I want to get to that in just a little bit because uh, you and I uh, are in the same two peas in a pod talking about uh, the Rivalry Series and how amazing this opportunity is uh, to expose that level of hockey to, to Vegas so at the Dollar Loan Center on December 15th. But uh, as a blue liner at the highest level of your sport, who do you watch when you take in the Golden Knights last night and fix it? Because we're all drawn to our favorite position. Absolutely. Um, it was fun to actually just watch the decor as a whole, um, talking so much about Martina and his, and his block shots, and he probably had five-plus last night alone. Um, just keeps raising the bar and, and setting that, that high there, but... I think you have to look at Petrangelo having a fantastic game with putting up points, being the first E-man to get a goal at home. But with what they said post, with what coach said post game, you have to embrace the role that you're given. And it might be a season that it, from season to season that it changes. It may be week to week. You have to be ready for anything, but embracing what the coaches are expecting out of you. I think takes a really strong individual on and off the ice, but watching him, him do that last night with passing the pucks, but then also taking that shot when there's a lane open, it was really fun to watch him last night. I hadn't heard that from Bruce uh, until he offered it a post game talking about uh, Alex and what they've uh, sort of uh, put him into for a position. They've asked him to be more conservative. Uh, defending and certainly in the neutral zone, but the, he can he can be a little bit more Alex uh, when he when he gets the puck. Uh, is that hard to do as as a player who's used to doing it his way forever? It is, and I think it takes a a bit of adjustment on his end. But hearing Bruce talk about it, there had to have been an open conversation. Um, not a threat of ice time, of playing time, but some constructive feedback and, and working together towards what he wants to see out of Alex. But it's not easy when you've been a, a type of player almost your whole career. But then I look back onto my career where college I was very, very offensive. My first few years of the national team I was very offensive, and then I took a completely different role and I was a stay-at-home D-man. So just learning the ins and outs and really relying on your teammates and trying to build that chemistry within the lines, within the pairs, to, to help you along with that. Now, did you go through that transition because you just evolved, or was it coaches coming to you and saying, you're going to go through this transition? It was more or less coaching changes yeah. that they saw me playing a different position, me playing a different role, and really trying to get used to that. So um, it, it cost me a team or two and not making the roster, I would I, I would think. But at the end of the day, you learn what will make you effective, but also not, in Alex's case, not straying away from, okay, coach wants me to be more conservative, but if you get a pass from Michael on the half wall and you can walk into a one-timer at the point, you're not going to catch that puck and then, dish it towards the other side, you're going to take that opportunity to shoot. So I think Cassidy and, and Alex have had 
a good conversation about it where now they can look to say, we can put him in a few different roles, but leaning towards the conservative side. You know, and it's, it's obviously paying dividends for Alex Petrangelo, and it, it seems kind of counterintuitive, but his point totals are up right now. He's got 17 points, nearly a point-a-game player, with a more conservative approach. Why do you think that is? I don't think he is focusing on, I have to pass the puck, I have to limit my shots to the net, but maybe he can see more lanes, more flow when trying to broaden where the players are on the ice. And I love the support, um, especially in the defensive zone, when Vegas is on and you have a center low swinging and they can uh, seamlessly break that puck out. I would say that Petrangelo would follow that play up right away. But now instead of getting that puck, taking that shot, getting that puck, seeing if there's another net drive, um, if there's a low seam to pass to, but those points will come in and you can see that he's not playing with stress or any weight on his shoulders right now. Which defenseman were you when you played? If you were going to pick out, I'm, I was, I was, Alec Martinez when I played. I mean, there's, it sounds like there's two different eras of, of, of your career. There was, and I, I love the way that Theodore plays. Um, I, I think aggressiveness and trying to be that physical player um, is, is what has impressed me, but I, it, it's really stuck with me, the conversation that Cassidy brought up last night and just I don't think viewers realize how hard it is for a player to adjust and adapt to those changing roles. And you may not even know that that's the case if someone hadn't said it in in a press conference after the game. But um, I I do like the way that Theodore plays. He shoots. He's uh, a grinder out there, which I appreciate. (laughs) When when you're watching defensemen, like – I mean, a lot of people kind of look at it and say, oh, they got to get first, you know, back first to a puck. They've got to make the right pass, and everyone thinks they know what that looks like. How do you watch the position that might be a little different than having been a high-level defenseman that, that might be different from how, you know, layman people watch the position? I obviously tend to focus more on that defensive position, but watching where the extra support is, if everyone on the ice is reliant on a defense getting to the puck first. And kind of the thought behind that is you see teams are successful when breaking the puck out is they're physical on the puck. They can make that first pass and try to escape that zone with either another pass or speed to the neutral zone. And if you don't have any support getting back to the puck, well, yeah, they're relying on you to, to get that puck first, but then where's your next play? And if you're trying to make a heads-up play, but you don't know where people are on the ice, it's hard. So it's a, a fun game just because you have six players on the ice, including the goaltender that is your third defenseman. So making sure that you guys are all playing together, either as a five-man unit, either as three forwards, two defensemen, and the third defenseman being a goaltender, but you all have to play together, and you can see that chemistry is starting to build. 
Great chance to talk with Megan Bozak uh, here on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, a former national team member of Team USA Hockey, a two-time Olympian, and a college standout. Where did you go to school? I can't remember where you went to school. Oh, I love this question. Let me tell you. <laughs> yes, I, you know what? I'd have to say I, I've had a few people ask me, like, what was your favorite moment from last night? And I, I feel like I have a list, but we go to sit at the desk upstairs, and all we see, the first person walking in the building has a Minnesota Golden Gopher jersey on. I think it was a plant. It was... <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, it was my mom, but no one has to know that. Uh, We've got the rivalry series coming in on December 15th. Uh, They played game two of it. It's a best of five. Uh, They played game two last night in Kamloops, and uh, and it was uh, a 2-1 win for uh, the Team USA, so that's up 2-0 in the series. Uh, We love it. You and I, uh, you played, and I I can't get enough of it. Uh, Tell the listeners why they should come out on December 15th uh, because hearing it from you is a lot better than hearing it from some guy who just watches. If you have not been to a women's hockey game, I promise you won't be disappointed. Um, I, I hope the fans have the same feelings with Team USA and Team Canada coming to town as they did when the Golden Knights started here because you invest in seeing some of the best men's players in the world playing in Vegas, and now you have the same opportunity to do so on the women's side, playing at the Dollar Loan Center on December 15th, and I am so excited for the girls, for the community as a whole, because it's an investment that you won't you won't regret. It is the most physical, heated battle that, that you'll see in any of pro sports, and it's just a, a fun time a competitive time, and it's something that I'm so proud to say I was able to to be a part of for 10 years. What makes that rivalry so special? It it feels to me like Canadian and and U.S. women's hockey, it transcends the sport of hockey itself. The thing with women's hockey is for so long it's been two teams that have been at the top, and you have glimpses of Team Finland being so strong when they have Nora Ratu in that, and Switzerland when they have Florence Schelling in that, and in Russia sometimes it it just depends on the season. But it's always been Team USA, Team USA versus Team Canada, and we train for pretty well one game every four years. That's amazing, and it's <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy to think about it that way, but. Our Olympics is is our biggest thing. And training to obviously make the round robin, make the quarters, make the semis, but for that gold medal game, because we can think about who we're playing and things happen and and ups and downs and upsets. But trying to train for 60 minutes through four years. So the dedication that it takes to play women's hockey since we don't have um, a full, we have a fully professional league here, but trying to make a more sustainable league for, for all. So uh, the dedication, the time management, the commitment to it when mm. essentially we really are training for 60 minutes, but it takes four years to, to get there. So a lot goes in behind the scenes, but whether, like Amanda Kessel said, she doesn't have any friends on Team Canada, <laughs> she loves it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of the opposite where I've lived in 
right outside of Toronto for eight years now. So I've trained with a lot of those girls. And uh, just when we get to the rink, it's all friendships off. It's We are playing for our country. We are fighting for our country for, for those 60 minutes, but representing for myself, Team USA, in the best way we we know how. People think it's hard. I don't. Uh, it seems natural that it would be hard going against your friends, but in in athletics and in hockey in particular, if they're in the other team, you, you just play really as hard as you can. Right, and there's no excuses. Whether right. we train, whether we play together, uh, whether we whether we don't have any friends on that side of the border, um, it's a rivalry, and you can look at all of these after runners that come out with, um, they can be friends, they can be teammates, but when playing for your country, it's just a completely different aspect to the game. And I've never had a greater honor than putting on that jersey, whether it was for the first time, whether it was for the 50th time, um, practice a practice game against a boys team or an Olympic gold medal game you get the same feeling every single time because you want to put your best foot forward and you want to represent your country the best way you can. So when you lose that game, it's tough because you've not only let yourself down, your teammates down, but this is the feeling of disappointment to your your country as a whole on the biggest world stage. So there's so much that fuels that emotion, fuels that fire that you just want to be the greatest in the world and for us, beating Team Canada, that's it. That hurts me because I thought we were becoming friends. That's fantastic. And then, and then you finish on that note. I'll that's... get you a pen. I'll get you a pen that has USA Hockey tomorrow. Okay? I was shocked <laughs> yes. that Elliot was using a USA Hockey pen last night as I a Canadian Olympian. <laughs> like what? I, I almost took it away from him. That was that was a great answer, especially the end. It, it, it was. Hey, where do you keep your hardware? Like, is it uh, framed or what? Where is it? It's not. It's um, in a location in my house in a fuzzy sock. Seriously? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they give us these beautiful boxes at the Olympics, but traveling with them so often, the boxes just get to be too big. So a lot of us just have put them in fuzzy socks, and it's easier to travel with. So it's not up on a wall in, in the basement or the, the games room or anything? It's not, but it will be. We're currently redoing our, our basement and making a cool little uh, sports shrine for my husband and I. So we uh, we will be putting it up, but for right now, it's in a comfy little fuzzy sock. That's awesome. I, I love those kind of <laughs> stories from athletes. Uh, Megan, uh, great job last night. It was so fun to be part of that journey with you and to lean on your experience. And I love you. You taught me so much uh, just uh, in our little interactions last night. Can't wait for tomorrow against the Edmontoners when we get to do it uh, from Studio 31. Uh, appreciate it and uh, and enjoy your time in Vegas. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. There's Megan Bozik uh, from Team USA to AT&T Sportsnet mm-hmm. and on Fox Sports Las Vegas. I never thought about the fact that you are training four years for 60 minutes. For one game. That's so beyond my realm of comprehension. Because it takes a monumental upset not to get to that right, final for exactly. those two teams. Exactly. And then you 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 wonder why this rivalry is so good. Mm-hmm. The, 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 contextualizing it that way, 
Of course it's going to be amazing. And the rivalry series that we're going to get to on December 15th, mm. and we'll be able to watch that game uh, here in, in the Valley, all those players and about 20 others are all vying to be in that one game <laughs> yeah. every four years. Yeah. So the immense competition just to get to the one game and then the pressure to win that one game That's unreal. Is, is extraordinary. And then you see the the length of knowledge that she has uh, is is extraordinary. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll tee up hour number two. You'll hear from Bruce Cassidy, and I'll get to tell you on where we're going to go with the coach on Fox Sports Las Vegas. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. This may surprise you, but if I won an Olympic medal, it would be right there in the biggest room on the biggest wall in the biggest frame. You wouldn't wear it? Uh, well, it would have a door, like, you know, on shadow boxes where you can open the front, on uh-huh. jersey boxes where you yeah. can, uh, it would have that door so I could take it out and, and show it to people and then right back in there I'm just with lights and everything. I'm surprised you wouldn't just have lights following you around while you wear it. Well, I already have the lights following me around. I yeah. just don't have the Olympic medal. It would be front row center for when you do the podcast. Yes. So, so everyone oh, could see sure. it. Guaranteed. Yeah. yeah. You know, like mayors have the uh, have the, <laughs> the, the sash. Yeah, yeah. That's what I would. Mayor McFeezy over every here. He's gonna go eat ice cream with a gold medal. Yes. Next time, it's great. Good, I like it. It would be so cool to have one of yeah. those things. Yeah. And yet, Olympians a lot of times will get rings after, and they'll oh. wear those a lot more because they can actually wear them out. Uh, we got hour number two. Bruce Cassidy and one timers news notes from around the National Hockey League on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Stay with us.